Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Good. Who's glad to be here today? Come on. Amen. Before I get started today, it is a great day to be at church, and I promise you, I told Pastor Andrew before church today, I'm like, this feels like the calm before the storm. There is a lot coming down that's going to be happening this year, and I am so excited. So y'all hang with us. First, before I get started, uh, would uh, Joe and Dion and Marie please join me real quick, real quick. We just did a blurb for our Rooted Small Group. We started our first Rooted Small Group this past fall, and we had somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 people, maybe just shy of that, go through our Rooted Small Group. I'm improving here, so bear with me. Blue mic. So what, what happened is this has to be, hands down, the best small group I have been associated with, and I've been doing this for a minute uh, since I was about this big. What, what we did and what was learned and the community that was created was second to nothing that I have ever done as far as small groups go. So I asked them if they'd be guinea pigs for me, and they said yes. So real quick, what's one thing that impacted you about Rooted? I will say this. How long have you been here? Like two, years. two years. You guys? Maybe just a year. A year. So two years and a year, and I got an email from Dion of, I, less than a month ago. She's like, love LC, big things coming. So this is kind of t- segued them from being new to like being ingrained, and you're going to be seeing a lot more of them. Hello. <laughs> um, I really just found out about coming up here like five minutes ago. She did. So I told please. you. I'm improving. <laughs> um, I didn't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the, I, I guess the biggest, <clears throat> excuse me, takeaway for me from Rooted, um, when we started going here about a year ago, um, we really liked Pastor Scott and really loved, loved both of them, Pastor Andrew. And Ross made a huge impact on us. Yes. When we first came, we felt so welcomed and was really excited about starting the Rooted group. But after a little bit of time, we were kind of like, do we really want to continue to, to be a member of this church? And I'm just being very transparent. Um, I like it. I like it. We are different. We are the minority in the church, and it was very different from any church we had ever gone to before. And so we still, with some reservations, decided we would join the Rooted group. And it was one of the best groups I've ever been a part of. I got to learn and know the members. I got to really get to understand what Life Center was about and the difference that it makes in the community. And I was on fire. It set me on fire. I wanted to be a part of everything that this church has to offer. And although it's a small church, great things are going to come from this church. And I am so excited to be a part of that because we always jumped into churches that were already established and had a lot of good things going on, but we were just another member. And here I feel like we are accounted for. We are, we are held accountable. And I'm just excited. The group really enforced that. 
I feel like I have family now. I feel like they know us. Yes. And I'm wrapping it up, my husband said. <laughs> uh, good morning. Uh, good my, morning. For myself, uh, Deruta helped me to be, to come out of my comfort zone, I guess. And just to, you know, get to know everyone in the Deruta group and to, like Dion said, be transparent and learn more about each other and more about the Lord. And it was a great experience. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Marie and, and Chris, her husband, he's in Florida with a sponsee doing awesome things, and he's coming back today. But um, they're going to be the leaders of our next Ruta group. So that's how this is impacting. Yes. Y'all don't know how, how over the moon excited I am about this because they have gone from coming two years ago, three years ago. Now she's on our prayer team, and now they're going to be leading a Ruta group. So real quick. Hi. Um, so I didn't get a warning that I was coming up here. Um, so we joined the group um, because I did want to um, have a stronger sense of community with the church. We've been coming here. I love it here. I love everyone here. Um, and so I really wasn't sure what I was getting into when we joined the group. Um, but I've got so much out of it. Um, my relationships within the church uh, have grown and... Um, I'm even more at home here. My relationship with God has just, I mean, it blows me away. Um, you know, like he said, I joined the prayer team. You know, I felt the calling on my heart a while ago, and my fears and anxieties have held me back from following through with that. And this group just, uh, like she said, it set me on fire on, a, on this path. And um, I'm just really excited to see what this next session of Rooted is going to do. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So if you have any reservations at all, I can't promise that I won't pull you up here and embarrass you like this, but um, if you have any reservations at all, get past those and understand that your next huge step in your relationship with Jesus could come from being in, in this group. So sign-ups are happening right now. You can see uh, myself, my wife, Pastor Andrew, Laura, Look on our website for a sign-up form and get involved. Uh, the cost is $25. It includes the materials to do the course, and you get a cool all included. So get on that today. This is our last week of Small Things Big Difference and Ignite. If you don't plan on doing that, change your plans and come to Ignite because that's going to be fabulous as well. So in this series, we have repeatedly said it's often... The what? The small things. Say it with me. The small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everybody wants. What does that look like in real life? There are lots of guys who want to play NBA basketball. Right, Marcus? Sorry, dude. You're 5'7", five, 5'9", five, something like that. It's not going to happen. You are no Spud Webb. So <laughs> I love you, but you're no Spud Webb. This guy right here. Lots of people want to play NBA basketball, and, and they, they see the glory and the shots and the dunks and the windmills and all those things, but they don't see the thousands of hours of work that go into making that happen. This guy on the screen behind me is seven feet tall. His wingspan is like seven feet four or seven feet six inches. If you notice, he is taking the shot, but he is shooting down on a 10-foot hoop. Like, this, is yesterday, this happened yesterday. He is, like, throwing the ball, like, we're doing this and shooting like that. He is shooting the ball down 
toward the hoop. He is huge. But he plays at Kentucky, and if you know me, you know I love Kentucky basketball. That is my thing. I love it. It is the best thing on God's green earth when it comes to sports. You can differ. I don't care. That's how I am. That's what I like. Don't wreck my world. So their, their coach, John Calipari, is known for helping guys get to the NBA. I think at this count, he's got like 47 or 49 guys playing in the NBA right now, just be guys that he has coached. So he's like an NBA factory. And these kids come out of high school because they can't go to the NBA directly. These, these good kids like this come out of high school. They want to go where he coaches, and they play there for one year to meet requirements and go to the NBA. Well, this guy was one of those. Notice I said was. His name is Nick Richards. He's seven feet tall. He's a big guy. But he didn't start playing basketball until he was 14 years old. He had this amazing growth spurt. And they're like, dude, you should play basketball. Obviously, he should play basketball. So he came to Kentucky, a five-star recruit, heralded. And, and they're like, he's going to be a one-and-done. He's going to the NBA. He's seven feet tall. He's got all the tools. And he's going to be amazing. End of his freshman year, he, he, he wasn't all that amazing. He was on this many draft boards. Zero. And everybody, they have a pro day at the end of the year where the, the, the scouts all come to Kentucky basketball and watch them work out, and they give them feedback, and you're going to go here, and you're going to go there. And they said, go back to school. So here's this kid, this five-star recruit, and he was looking forward to being in school for one year because if you're like me, you hate school. He wanted to go to school one year and go to the NBA and make, you know, they sign a $15 million contract when they're 19 years old, and that's what he wanted. But they said go back to school. So you know what he did? He went back to school. At the end of his sophomore year, the pros came to pro day. They looked at all the players. And guys that had come in behind him, they're like, you're going number three, you're going number five, you're going number ten. They told him, go back to school on zero draft boards. And he's averaging like seven, eight points a game, four or five rebounds, just mediocre basketball. He's now a junior. And I think he's had, what happens is this. His coach was interviewed and said, we need these guys to hit shots. We need that, these guys to rebound. We need these guys to do specific things for their team, not just for them. And they, some of these kids can't understand that, and it takes them longer to develop. He's like, you need to do what your team needs you to do, and if you can't do that in the game, then you have outside of practice. He's like, we don't have time to let, to, to let them shoot free throws in practice. Outside of practice, you work on your craft and get better. So what did he do? He got in the weight room. And he got better. And I think he's had already had eight games this year where he's gotten double-doubles. Yesterday in this game, 24 points, 15 rebounds, 4 blocks. That's an amazing stat line. And you know where he'll probably be at the end of, this, at the end of the school year? In the NBA. On somebody's basketball team, making millions of dollars. But what's the difference? It was the small things that he changed in his life, diet tweaks, more time spent in the gym, more time at a free throw line. The dude is seven feet tall and shoots over 70% free throws. That's amazing. You don't do that in practice. You do that on your own time. It's the small things that no one saw that are making a big difference in his game. So today, the last week of the series, we're going to close out and we're going to talk about habits. Everybody say habits. habits. 
Why habits? Because our thoughts become words. Our words become actions. Our actions become habits. And habits create our destiny. Habits are the last line of defense between you and your destiny. They're it. You can think some things and they won't maybe affect your life. And you might be able to, to harness your thoughts. But man, when you got a habit, when you have a habit, it's pushing you toward your destiny. It's writing on the pages of your life. Because we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. We're going to talk about habits or disciplines. Why disciplines? Because we are what we repeatedly do. Change your habits, change your life. Change your habits, change your life. How many of you, I want hands, how many of you would consider yourself very disciplined? You're like, you're tricking me right now. I got three hands. Come on. How many of you, you consider yourself disciplined? You're, you're a disciplined person. All right, now I got like four more hands. How many of you have no discipline whatsoever? Okay, how many of you committed to never raise your hand in church? That's what I thought. That's what I thought because you, you're like, you're setting me up for something I'm really not. I just want to know where you are in this spectrum. Who could be more disciplined? All right, that's better. We understand that we could be more disciplined. So, so listen to this. Discipline is, discipline is this. Discipline is choosing between what I want now and what I want most. Oh, Discipline is choosing between what I want now, right now, to gratify myself right now, and what I want most that's going to impact me long term. This dude on his, on his screen that, that might want to play video games and chill understands in that moment, I want to chill with my friends. I want to play video games. I want to do this. I might, I might want some pizza. But if I want to get to the NBA, I've got to spend more time in the gym. I've got to eat more, more, more lean chicken and those kinds of things. Put the pizza away for a minute. I understand that discipline is choosing between what I want right now and what I want most. See, this, maintaining discipline isn't easy. It, I'm going to show you it's not easy. It's a series of making the right decision over and over and over until the right choice is second nature and you don't have to think about it. Because when we start on a journey like this, we have to think about what we're doing. We have to, you know, sometimes you have to journal and write things down to make sure you're, you're doing the right thing. Here's, here's a for instance. So I decide, you know, at the, at the beginning of the year, I'm going to lose weight. This is, you know, we pick on food and losing weight because it's just low-hanging fruit. It's just like the easiest thing to talk about. You see what I did there? Okay. So I decide, y'all got to wake up and get with me. Come on. I decide that I want to lose weight. So I'm going to go, I'm going to change my eating habits. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out. So day one, I do great. Exercise is awesome. The blood's pumping. I, I, got, you know, I got my fruits and my veggies and my lean chicken, all those things that are making me a, 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 on my way. After day two, man, I do the same thing, the gym, the food, blah, 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 blah. It's all working out. And I'm losing water weight. So I'm like feeling all like I'm looking good. You have that initial burst where when you, when you stop drinking coffee and Coke and drink water, it just kind of flushes you out, and, and you lose some weight like right off the bat, and you're feeling like, oh, awesome. I could jump over a skyscraper, man. I feel great. But day three comes, 
and you have to work late, so you're not going to get home in time to cook the lean chicken and to, and to stop by the gym on your way home. So day three comes, and life happens. You're, you're, you're at work late, and you're, you're driving home, and you're hungry. And you're like, I don't feel like cooking dinner. And those arches are right there. <laughs> They're right there on the way home, man. Taylor calls it the nug life. N-U-G, nuggets, the nug life. So the golden arches call your name on the way home, and before you know it, you have supersized your magical <laughs> McDonald's Coke and fries. You get home, you finish your meal, and you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Tell me you haven't thought it. Tell me you have who wants McDonald's fries right now? Okay, I got more hands on that than discipline. Come on. And you get home and you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. Why did I do that? I had two good days. I had lost three pounds and now I just gained four. And you're so angry with yourself and you wonder if you will ever be able to change. Do you know what you are? You're not an idiot, you're normal. You are, it doesn't make it right, we're going to get there, but you're just simply normal. Get back up, get, on the, get back on the horse, just do it. If you don't know who the Apostle Paul is, he, he wrote most of what we, what we call the New Testament in the Bible, and he, what he did for a living before he was converted, before he found Jesus, is he arrested people who said they were Christians. So suddenly you're not so bad, are you? Have you arrested somebody or seen somebody put to death that you had a hand in that because they were a Christian? No. So you're not so bad. So just ease up on yourself a little bit. You're not all that bad. So he wrote, he was converted, he found Jesus, he, and he wrote most of the New Testament. But he called himself this. He said, I am a, the, the chief sinner. So somebody that God called out that began following Jesus, wrote most of the New Testament, that God clearly spoke to him and worked through him, started churches, worked with churches, wrote most of the New Testament that we follow. And he's like, I am the chief sinner. So he wrote this in Romans chapter 7. I don't really understand myself. You had me at hello right there. You had the, you had the supersized fries and Coke. I don't understand myself. What am I doing? Here's what, here's what he said. For what I want to do, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. That's the way you feel when you look at porn. I told you, 11 years ago, I'll be real with you. That, that, that's it. And I know that nothing good, y'all got quiet right there, come on. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I can't do what is right. Without Jesus, I can't do what is right. Scripture says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But on my own, I can't do what is right. I want to do what is good, but I don't. This is like Dr. Seuss right here, so just go with me. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Y'all felt that way before? 
once, twice, a thousand times. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle in life. I think King James says a law. It's a law. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. King James says evil is right there with me. When I want to do what's right, evil is always right there. I said doing the right thing or being disciplined is, is just a series of right choices. If I'm trying to do what is right, guess what is always there? Guess what it will always be there? Paul said it's what? It's a law that when I want to do right, when I want to have the grilled chicken, the arches will, will show themselves. <laughs> when I know I should turn the other cheek, I'm going to punch somebody in the mouth. Let's, let's make it real. When somebody yells at me and I want to curse them out, which one do I do? I want to do what is right, but evil is always there. I love God's law with all my heart. I want to do the right thing. I love Jesus. He saved me. He's redeemed me. He's given me grace and mercy. I love it with all of my heart. But there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. How are we transformed? By the renewing or changing of the way we think of our mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still. Everybody say still. Still within me. He's converted. He's writing to the churches. He said the power of sin is still within me. And this is where he's calling himself. This is like, like first century, I'm an idiot. Okay? This is first century, I'm an idiot. Oh, what a miserable person I am. I'm an idiot. I'm a loser. That's, this, that's Paul. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and by death? Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Y'all, there's power here. Who can deliver me from this? Jesus can. He's the answer. He's the solution. So let's work backwards. If I realize my habits are sending me toward my destiny that's less than God intends for me, I know I have to change my actions, which means I have to change my words, which means I have to change my thoughts, right? We just went backwards four weeks because I'm transformed by the renewing of the changing of the way I think. Our sinful nature that Paul writes about, we're not disciplined to do good on our own. My sinful nature pushes me toward the wrong decision. Hello, Adam and Eve. It pushes me in the wrong direction. Paul said it's a law that there's a war going on inside of me. Who's ever felt that war, that tug of war? That's I, I want to do the right thing. I know what the right thing is. I know, I know what I should do, and I know what I shouldn't do. But I know it's always easier. It is always easier to do the wrong thing. You will feel more justified doing the wrong thing. Oh, yeah. You'll feel more justified in your negative response than you will a godly response. You'll feel more vindicated in your sinful response than you will your godly response. You will feel better. You may even be happier short-term with a sinful response than a godly response. It's, it's two natures. But maybe we're going about it all wrong. We try over and over and over to do things ourselves with our 
willpower. I've got to change. We make a list. I've got to do this, 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 this. I've got to stop doing this, 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 and this. And we try over and over to, to do the right thing. But we're trying to do it on our own, by ourselves, with our willpower. Can I tell you this? You don't have enough willpower to overcome sin. I'm going to say it again. I don't have enough willpower to overcome my sinful nature. It will win how many times? Every single time my sinful nature will win. But maybe instead of us trying to do this on our own again, we should rely, like, like, like Paul said, who can save me from this awful, sinful nature? It's only Jesus that can do it. He can make us better. Why? Because his strength is made perfect in my weakness. We need today to declare that the Spirit of God that lives inside of us is greater. It's greater than the desire for what I want. This, it, scripture says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's Satan. But let's bring it home. Let's make it personal. The Spirit of God that lives inside of me is more powerful than my sinful nature. It's more powerful than my sinful desires and urges and my want to do the wrong thing. We try over and over and over to win, but we fail. If we can understand that Jesus in me is greater than the wrong appetite in me, we're going to start making progress in our life. Understand this. You will never, everybody say never. I don't use absolutes a lot on purpose, but you will never be perfect until you are looking Jesus Christ eyeball to eyeball. That is when we're glorified, and that's when we're perfect. Until then, we just fight. We just simply fight and make decision after decision after decision. I'm not going to give in to this sinful nature inside of me. I'm not going to give up the fight. I'm going to, the battle belongs to who? The battle belongs, I'm going to see victory. Why? Because the battle belongs to the Lord. He's the only one who can defeat my sinful nature. We've tried over and over and over to eat healthy, to stop smoking, to stop drinking, to stop using horrible language, to treat people better. To develop good habits. And over and over and over we fall off the wagon. We feel guilt. We feel shame. We feel stupid. We feel inadequate and we give up. And some of us even say, well, this is just who I am. You're right. It is just who you are. It is just who you are. It is just who I am. We're sinful people. Your admission, your giving up is your first step to freedom. It is who you are, but it doesn't have to be who you're going to be. That, how's that? Your first step, and you may call yourself an idiot and all those things. Yeah, our sinful nature, you can say whatever you want about it. I'm not going to get on you. You say whatever you want about your sinful nature. Call it bad things. That's exactly what it is. But you're not made to be that way. You're made in the image of God. You're made to win. You're made to win. You're made to be above and not below. You're made to be the head, not the tail. You're made to win and be victorious. 
But the sinful nature in us is, is what wants to destroy us. And our sinful nature in us is what Satan appeals to. And sometimes he doesn't have to work real hard. Right? Sometimes all he has to do is light up the golden arches. And we're in, man. We are in. And that's just a fun little illustration of sometimes we make the wrong decision. Today, everybody say today. We can get on the road to freedom. To freedom. Paul said we are a slave to our sinful nature. But Jesus Christ brings freedom. True freedom. Do I have to keep making the right decisions? I absolutely do. Because I have a relationship with Jesus doesn't mean I can do what I want. No, it does not. It doesn't give me a license to sin. It gives me an advocate for what I mess up and do. There's a big difference right there. There's a big difference right there. It, Jesus is my advocate for when I do sin, when I mess up, not when I live that way. Is that okay? Good. Thank you. We, but we, <laughs> we can be free. We can be free from the chains of sin. We can change. We can be more disciplined. You change your habits. You change your life. So how do we make the shift? Realization, I said a minute ago, is your first step. Paul said this to the church in Corinth. He's like, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he said, don't you realize that in a race everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Run to win. Verse 25 says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize. But that prize is going to fade away. That trophy, I was, I was in my office the other day, and, and Tristan had a basketball trophy, like this tall, and, and something happened to it. I don't know what. We move in, fell off a shelf, something. You know how tro- you know, they have like different levels and things sticking off, and the little basketball that spins, all that kind of stuff. Well, I picked it up, and it was like one of those sticks that are di- like jointed in different places. It's like all falling like different ways, and the basketball doesn't spin. I'm like, what happened to this? That's a trophy. It's something he won. But guess what? It's broken. I'm not even sure that he remembers winning that trophy. So what's he saying here? People run, run races all the time, and they, they run to win but they're running for, for trophies that are going to fade away. What we're talking about here is not for a trophy that's going to break. It's not for a win that's going to fade from our memory. We are running for a race that has eternal implications because our victory is when we see Jesus, and that sets off eternity with him, when we don't have to worry about this anymore. So, so we're not running for a, a, just a trophy. We're running for eternal prize. We're not changing just to change. We're not changing just to change. I'm not changing to make people happy. I'm not. I'm changing for an audience of one. I'm changing for an audience of one. I'm changing for Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. I'm changing for him. I'm becoming disciplined. I'm not, I'm not just becoming disciplined for a pay raise, a smaller waistline bigger shoulders, to be popular. I'm changing for the eternal prize that Jesus died for us to have. That's what I'm changing for. That's what I'm changing for. 
Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Run to win. We're living for eternal glory. We're running for eternal glory. We're not just self-disciplined. We are spirit-disciplined. Let's, let's, let's unpack that. See, when somebody says, I'm self-disciplined, that means you have a list that I, I've got I've to go by this. 1,100 calories. 20 minutes on the treadmill. 15 minutes lift, lifting weights. I got a plank for this long. I got to do blah, 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 blah. And you do it. Self-discipline, self-discipline, self-discipline. That's good. That's okay. Do that. Do those things. They make you healthier. But being spirit-disciplined is, is a whole other thing altogether. That means when, when, I, when I'm following Jesus and I'm listening to the voice that he is speaking to me and he's guiding me and he's leading me, when I step out of bounds of what his will is for my life or behavior that, that he doesn't want me to exude in my life, he's going to speak to me and let me know. That's called being spirit-disciplined. And I know at that point when I'm reading God's word and he's shining light in my path and he's convicting me of things in my life, I am spirit-disciplined and I'm going to listen to those callings in my life, and I am going to change my habits by the help of God because he's going to empower me to make the changes that I need to make to run the race. I'm throwing off the weight that slows me down. I'm getting rid of the sin that trips me up so I can run the race that he's marked out for me because I am running for my eternal reward. Not to make people like me, not to win friends and influence people, not to live my best life. I'm running for an eternal prize that Jesus has for me. But guess what? As I'm becoming the person that he wants me to be, I will live my best life. I will win friends and influence people, not because I'm trying to, but because I'm changing for an audience of one. And the person that he makes me, people will be drawn to me. Because of the change in my life, because, the, because he's working through me and he's changing me and he's elevating me. And somebody will see you, see the change in your habits, see the change in your demeanor, the change in your attitude, the change in your vocabulary, the change in your habits. And they're going to say, what is happening to them? I, I need to be like that. I see what God is doing in their life and I need him to do that for me. And you're accomplishing the Great Commission just by living your life. Because your life is a witness. Your life tells people that Jesus is at work in your life. He's changing you. He's making you into the image that he has created you to be. And that is the image of God. So run to win. We're not just self-disciplined. We are spirit-disciplined, and he is changing us to be more like him. The spirit of God helps us overcome the power of sin. If you've been here three, five, six years, you haven't changed. You're not doing it right. You're not letting God change you. It got quiet right there. If we encounter Jesus like he wants us to encounter him, we will change. We will change. 
So who can help me overcome the power of sin? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and by death? In verse 25, Paul said, thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. But he went on in verse 26, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not aimlessly wandering. I'm not just living by default. I'm not just taking it as it comes. We've heard those things. We may have said those things. I'm not just taking my life as it comes. I'm running with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Who knows what shadow boxing is? Who doesn't know what shadow boxing is? Shadow boxing is when you're fighting, when you're punching the air. You know, you punch, 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 duck, punch, punch, punch. That's shadow boxing. There's nobody there. Nobody there. You're just Muhammad Ali all by yourself. <laughs> Muhammad Ali is old. I, I realize that. I'm old. <laughs> Who's the current boxer? Somebody help me. Y'all have all shifted to MMA, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, Mayweather, the $300 million man. You're not, you know, Mayweather's not there fighting you, and you may be Mayweather all by yourself. I don't know. I got, I got, some, I got some, some feedback a few weeks ago because I, I called out Snoop Dogg because that's my generation, you know, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> and they're like, well, you should have said this person or this person. I even forgot who they said by now. <laughs> These are my reference points. Don't hate on my reference points. What's, what's the guy that somebody told me I should use? I can't remember his name. Um, I can't remember. He did a Pimp My Ride and had a Ford Explorer. I know that because I like cars. Post Malone, thank you. Post Malone is this generation's Snoop Dogg. He's not a good influence. Oh. See, I had some of y'all talking about all this getting better and stuff. I thought, yeah, Post Malone is not good. He's not going to get you closer to Jesus. He's going to drag you farther away. And you're not even kicking and screaming. So I'll stop meddling for right now. So I. <laughs> so Paul's saying, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not, I'm not fighting a fake opponent. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. Otherwise, I. <laughs> and this is the humanity of Paul speaking right here, the guy who wrote most of what we consider the Bible to be. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. <laughs> He's like, I got to be on it. I've got to listen to what God is telling me. I've got to be the person that God has called me to be. I realize I'm not fighting somebody that's not there. I'm not, I'm not just punching air. I'm fighting a real enemy. He's the prince in the power of the air. He is he's the, the, the one who goes around seeking whom he can devour. I am fighting Satan himself. I have an enemy. We still have the same enemy that Paul had. And he was vigilant enough and he was self-aware enough to know that if I'm not careful, I can fall away and be disqualified from the very prize I'm telling you to run for. So my response to that is if Paul had this realization, my Lord Jesus help me. I am no Apostle Paul. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everybody wants. So I run every step with purpose because I'm not fighting an imaginary enemy. I'm fighting Satan himself, and I must be disciplined to see him defeated, change my habits, change my destiny. Discipline controls 
my habits. And Paul said, what I want to do, I don't do. What I should do, I don't. I, I'm not self-disciplined. I'm, I'm, I'm spirit-disciplined. And the Spirit of God helps me do that. It helps me do that. Why? To glorify God. When we get this, we're going to have to decide. You're going to have to decide. I have to decide what I want most over what I want right now. Then we'll be running with purpose. I'm saying no to this food to say yes to a better body. I may want that food right now, but I want the better body more. I'm saying no to this financial temptation to get out of debt. I'm saying yes to love, to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I'm raising my kids to become next generation world changers. Why? Because I want that more than what I want right this very second. I'm going to invest in my kids now so they, so they can do later what I see them doing. I'm choosing what I want most for what I want right now. Change my habits, change my destiny. So what does it all mean to us? What do you want most? What do you want most? Do you want to lose 30 pounds? Finish your degree. Get out of debt. Stop smoking. Stop swearing. Be nice to people. Stop sleeping in. Go to bed earlier. Learn to play an instrument. That's very cool. Learn to play an instrument. I was perusing Facebook last night, and I saw Marie's mom. She's somewhere around my age. I don't know if she's young or old. I don't have any idea, but she's somewhere around my age, and she's learned to play the drums. And she's on Facebook Live playing drums with a, with a school of music. And she's not here for me to embarrass, but that's amazing. You might see her up here one day. I don't know. You want to learn to play an instrument? Do it. Learn the Bible. Talk to Jesus more. Tithe. Give offerings. Be more faithful to church. Become a better spouse or, or parent. Stop porn. Stop cheating. I've said porn twice a day. Why? Because one out of every two men are addicted. One out of every two. But you know what is changing the landscape of that? Now one out of every three women. It's not just the dudes. It's not just the dudes anymore. Do you want to stop cheating? What you want most will likely conflict with what you want right now. Choose wisely. Choose disciplines in your life and play the long game. Don't be so focused on your gratification right now that you jeopardize who you're going to be 10 years from now. Don't be so focused on right now that you jeopardize your eternal prize. Paul said, I discipline my body like an athlete. So after telling everybody else about Jesus, I don't miss my own prize. So first, what do you want most? Ask yourself that question right now, and I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. What do you want most? In your life right now, what habit do you need to kick? What, what thing do you need to change? What do you want most? And the second thing is, what is your one discipline? We had one thought. We had one word. What is your one discipline? What one discipline can you add to your life that will help you glorify God in how you live? What do you need to do now? Get this. What do you need to do now to help you have what you want most? What one discipline do you need to add to your life now that will help you toward what you ultimately want most? Maybe you need to hire a trainer or at least go to the gym, at least get in the, in the building. Maybe you need to clean the pantry out and get rid of the Twinkies. Does anybody eat Twinkies anymore? Okay. 
Maybe you need to cut up a credit card. <laughs> Maybe you need to remove some shopping apps or sites from your devices. Oh, oh. <laughs> that hit a big nerve right there. I got two hands raised up back there. Maybe you need to put filters on your devices so you can't look at porn without at least looking at a, doing a, putting a password in first. Or maybe you have your spouse put a password on your phone. Oh. What do you want most? And what do you want right now? Maybe you need to remove social media from your devices. I don't know. It's different for everybody. I'm not telling the whole place to get rid of social No. Social media is a tool, and we're using it, and we're going to use it a lot more to, to, to facilitate this message getting out. We're going to, this church is going to use social media a lot more. I'm not telling you to get rid of it. If you have a problem, get rid of it. There are other ways to communicate. But let's be real. Let's lay aside every weight and sin and run our race. I'm not self-disciplined. I'm what? I'm spirit-disciplined. What do you want most, and what discipline will I put into place to get what I want most? Because if I change my habits, I change my destiny. If I change my habits, I change my destiny. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everybody wants. What does Dave Ramsey say? I'm good today, today, I'm gonna live like no one else does. So that when I retire, I can live like no one else does. Do I want the moment now? Or do I want my moment later? Do I want to have the latest, greatest, newest thing right now? Or do I want to have security when I retire? Which one? Many times what I want most will conflict with what I want right now. Which one are you going to pick? You may not see my discipline that I put into place. But the changes will be evident. I may not see the credit cards that you cut up. But I'll see the peace you have when you're not as strapped about money. I may not see your porn filters on your devices. But I will see the closer relationship you have with your spouse. Because you're not looking at that junk. I may not see the stuff that you delete from your phone. I may not see you stop going and wasting all your money. But I will see you have a better life because you're more secure because you're not wasting it all or giving it all away. You may not see my discipline, but you will see the changes. Don't just talk about it. Just do it. Just do it. But it's not that easy. I've failed so many times. I'm not asking you to do it by yourself. Let's stand together. I'm not asking you to do it by yourself because Paul said all this stuff, blah, 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 Seuss, all that stuff in the middle. I want to do the right thing, but I can't. When I want to, evil's there. I'm miserable. I'm a loser. I'm an idiot. That's, that's, I'm translating Paul's first century speech to now. He called himself all those names. He's like, I can't do this by myself. What am I going to do? Who is going to save me? And he's like, I know who's going to save me. 
It's not my self-discipline. It's not my practices that I'm going to put into place. It's my relationship with Jesus Christ and him speaking through me. That's what's going to change me, and that's what's going to change my life. Understand that you, you tried over and over. We're not disciplined enough to overcome our sinful nature. You don't have to have those feelings of shame and guilt. Calling yourself names. The battle belongs to the Lord. And he's designed us not to lose, but to win. Your best days, if you follow Jesus and you give him your life, and you follow him with everything you have, letting him in every part of your life holding nothing back, I promise you, I'll make this bold statement, your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. Your most productive days are ahead of you. Your most successful days are ahead of you. I promise. Because he will order your steps. And he, he needs billboards for success, billboards for miracles. And we're it. So God bless y'all. Have a phenomenal week. Have an amazing week. And we'll see you back here next Sunday in February. Is that it? No? Whew. In February. Y'all know what February is, right? It's all about love, man. It's all about love. Come on. Y'all have a great week. Love you. <laughs>